Recording in progress. Okay. All right, guys. Welcome. Hey, to, okay, it's wait, recording. It's recording. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> cut that. Cut that. No, it's okay. Well, we won't cut it. It's part of the fun. Welcome to Popcorn Lore, episode <laughs> two. We made it to episode two. We made it. Boys. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Now that we're rich and famous, <laughs> we on to our real plans of real world plans. domination. <laughs> oh, good segue. All right, so um, episode two, what do we have on the agenda? V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. The only verdict is vengeance. A vendetta held as a votive, not in vain. For the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. <laughs> Verily, this vicious swears of verbiage veers most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honor to meet you, and you may call me V. Favorite movie. One, favorite one of them. Movie. One of them for one sure. Of them. One of his favorite movies. Definitely my top uh top three, 64. top five favorite movies. <laughs> top three, top three. You know it's definitely on your favorites when it's in your top sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, funny enough, like when I started the when we started the podcast, I never thought like that we would talk about this movie. You know, it's one of those movies where it's like it's definitely good and it's like it's memorable but i didn't think it would like you know like when yeah. you like, talk about some of these movies it's not one that comes to your mind right away it did yeah. and i don't remember that much of it i saw it when it came out but after re- re-watching it i realized how much content and uh references and uh subjects it, it, this movie touches so right. i'm glad we were doing it yeah i'm glad too it's 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 a movie that doesn't get uh enough love i'd say um and i'm happy that aaron chose it because it's like uh kind of unique in that in in that in that sense so yeah i'm excited to talk about it yeah me too so i got lots um, to talk about yeah i'm excited to learn (laughs) about all the more (laughs) so um quick thing before we we start i'm just going to talk about uh so the movie came out in 2005 is that correct yeah Okay, so it, it I think it premiered from what I understood, and then yeah. it had an official release in two thousand six. Yeah, you got it exactly. Okay, so I'm going to take two thousand five. Uh, so in two thousand five, what was happening in cinema around that time? So it was a pretty interesting time. Um, the most notable movies in two thousand five were Batman Begins, huh. Sin City, okay. Constantine, Lord of War, Kingdom of Heaven, and Brokeback Mountain. Oh wow! So um, we're gonna save that one for another yeah. episode. for another episode. <laughs> that's that's in my top sixty-four. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what was cool about two thousand five when I was looking at the list is that um, it was kind of like the birth of the superhero uh, flicks started to come into popularity around that time after kind of Spider-Man and X-Men kind of started like to take the cinema. And because of those movies, I found there was, there was kind of like more of a, an urge to green light a certain graphic novel 
uh, movies, which in turn is why we got uh, V from Vendetta and um, Sin City, Sin City yeah. you know. So right. I found it was no coincidence. And Constantine, by the way. Yeah. So I found it was no coincidence that they kind of were uh, released at the same time. And uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk more about that. Uh, I don't know how you guys felt around that time for movies. I mean, uh, Sin City, uh, it really affected me a lot. And I saw it. I, I I had the movie and I saw it many times after that. So that was definitely my favorite movie uh, of that era. And like uh, V that it was based on a graphic novel. Albeit, it was a very different movie. Right, right. And uh, what about yourself, Aaron? Yeah, I remember going and watching uh, Sin City in theaters. And like, uh, I remember those like, it, it was kind of the era of those like kind of gritty uh, sort of like graphic novel type uh, 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 movies. And then like the comic book movies too. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh I really enjoyed that time, uh, and I, I I was watching a lot of movies at that time too. So I remember going and seeing like lots of those movies that you mentioned in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was a exciting time because that that was like I said like kind of like the baby uh, time for comic books to come on screen. Okay, so um, so that was around the time. Now I wanted to just introduce a little bit on the director. So can you just help me pronounce his, his name for me? <laughs> James Mc yeah so I believe I believe it's uh James McTeague James that's, that's, McTeague. yeah that's uh, I, I tried a whole bunch of different uh, uh applications to on uh, how you're supposed to say his name <laughs> and then, yeah ex- exactly and like uh the the long story short is that that's that's what I got I hope I'm saying his name right uh that's what i hope uh, so too i'm sorry yeah. james i don't think yeah. we're, any, we're any, in any danger to get sued no no this. i don't, I don't Definitely think so not. and to chat gpt has never led anybody any anybody astray so it'll be good yeah. um my first uh kind of dealing with uh, mr mcteague was um kind of a, a favorite movie of mine a dark city actually he was assistant director for that film. Oh, interesting. And a film that I recommend you watch actually a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, no, I, I did watch it actually. It's a great movie. Yeah. And uh, so watching, you know, V for Vendetta, um, I kind of like, I was like, oh yeah, I could, I could, I can tell definitely that. And I'm sure now when you look back, you can kind of see those touches from Dark City. I yeah. That, that, that but, makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he was most notable for, you know, his assistant work on that. And then I think he he actually worked more closely with the Wachowskis uh, on later projects like Sense8. And I think even like uh, the Matrix, uh, some of the Matrix movies as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, um, he did. Um, so he produced the new one. So he was a producer for, for the one that came out uh, more recently, the, the like okay. the... The, the most recent one. And then at the same time, he, I believe he was an assistant director uh, on all three of the Matrix uh, movies. Uh, so oh, okay. in the, so in the same way that he was an assistant director for Dark City. So he, he got a lot of experience. Uh, he worked with the Wachowskis uh, quite a bit. Um, okay. And then it explains a lot in terms of casting choice and stuff, which we'll obviously talk about a little later with the movie. For sure. So in a way, this was his big debut kind of like into the... Um... The Hollywood, uh, like for for big budget kind of film. It, it was his first uh, feature film, if I'm not Major, mistaken. Yeah, feature yeah, film. Yeah, it, it was his film. first feature film where he was like 
directing it. Um, right, right. He directed. Uh, he so he's not a super a super like well known uh, director per se. Like in the sense that he was more of like a he did a lot of like assistant work per se. But then uh, when V for Vendetta came out, uh, like we mentioned, it was kind of his first major feature film. He since then directed some uh blockbuster films such as ninja assassin uh <laughs> with yeah Rain, it's true the k-pop yeah, star Rain, uh the raven uh survivor uh and then uh, like you mentioned before he did some uh, television series as Sense well 8, working right? uh yeah so he did sense eight and yeah. he also worked on uh, marco polo i remember as well I, I, uh, so yeah so he worked um he worked on those those were uh, primarily netflix shows Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, besides that, obviously, we have to talk about uh, you know Alan Moore, Alan Moore, yeah. who, who who wrote the graphic novel, basically that um, is V for Vendetta. So, I'm a big Alan Moore fan personally. Um, you know, just a Watchmen alone is is enough to to really like him. But he's kind of like because I'm I'm a big Lovecraftian fan as well. So Alan right. Moore really takes a lot of inspiration from that. And uh, he's done other notable works such as, um, you know, Swamp Thing, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was another movie that uh, that came out during that time as well, or not too long afterwards. Um, from Hell. From Hell, yes, of course. Uh, Batman so, Killing um, Joke. Killing Joke, for sure. So Alan Moore, um, probably one of the greatest graphic novel writers, for sure. Um from the UK, a little bit of an extremist and centric dude. No. <laughs> but, uh, he actually recently had, um, you know, those master classes. You ever see those those commercials? Yeah. 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 He had a master class for writing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So he was featured on there. I wanted to kind of check that out. But uh, yeah, um, big fan of his. And uh, of course, The Watchmen, what an incredible piece. Um, but yeah, what about you guys? You you, you guys um, into Alan Moore or checked out his stuff before this or? I, I I didn't read too many graphic novels uh, in my life. I was more into just regular comic books, and I did read the Sin City comic books, but I didn't read the uh, this one. Okay. Um, I know Alan Moore. He when he wrote it, it was in the eighties in the UK, and they had the Thatcher government there, which was more like it was a bit like a fascist government. Mm -hmm. And I think the the origin of the story was kind of in that uh uh in that in that circle in the british uh fascist government there mm -hmm. i think that's how it kind of originated that's what i read and then um uh yeah and other than that i, I all i know is that when he made this movie he refused to uh to watch it or or to have his name associated with it because apparently he didn't like uh from hell and leading of extraordinary gentlemen the adaptations so he didn't oh. want he didn't want to be associated with this movie yeah interesting yeah, yeah. okay yeah. So what about you aaron uh what's your take with alan moore yeah so it's funny i got introduced to him uh in university um my roommate was doing a like uh, he was a an English major, and I, I lived in the dormitory in first year with my with my roommate. And uh, one of his like projects or whatever, he had to read the graphic novel for Watchmen. So then I remember like I didn't I wasn't a big 
like at that time or whatever, I, I had kind of stopped reading. I did a ton of reading when I was in high school, but I remember I always used to look at the, like he had that book on display and I always used to look at it, always used to look at it. And then one day I was like, oh, like what's this? And I started like flipping through it and then I got like instantly drawn into it. And so that was kind of my like uh, introduction to him. And then over the years, obviously, um, especially considering like I really loved V for Vendetta, um, I I did some like high level overview of uh, some of his different works. Uh, the three primarily being Watchmen, uh, Batman Killing Joke, and then obviously the three uh, V for Vendetta graphic uh, novels. Awesome. And uh, just to end off here, like, did you guys see this movie in theaters? I I personally saw this movie in theaters when it first came out, um, just because I was a huge fan of the Matrix and. I was kind of disappointed with the Matrix sequels. And when I saw they were doing something different, I figured, you know, like, uh, well, they were associated with it anyways. I'm talking about the... the they, wrote, they wrote the original screenplay of this movie. Yeah, exactly. When I saw yeah. that their name was was in it and there was Hugo Weaving, I said, you know, this might be a... a sometimes, you know, artists and, and, and writers, they, they kind of need a, a different um, pathway, you know, of, for creativity. So I figured, you know, let me go check out this movie. And... Uh, I really liked it, you know, out of the theater. I really thought it was a, it was a good movie right away. And I, and I felt that the reception was also well-received on it. I don't know about you guys. Did you guys see it in theaters when it first came out? or? Well, I saw it. Um, I think I saw it on um, on DVD first. Okay. Uh, maybe a few years after it came out. I think I might have seen it around 2007. And uh, uh, it didn't affect me that much. And it goes to show that I'm a different person than I was back then. Like back then, I I find I had a shorter attention span, and I and I I was more attracted to high stimulus movies like Sin City, like Natural Born Killers, like Pulp Fiction, and Reservoir Dogs. And um, this movie was more of a classical type movie with more dialogue and more of a concrete story, and uh, it just didn't stimulate me as much. But when I saw it now, with my, I feel like like a more mature and um, I'm more attentive. I definitely connected with it a lot more than I did back then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. My experience is very similar to yours. Uh, TJ, me and my dad used to go, my dad used to take me to watch a lot of movies. Like, uh, okay. and in particular, we, I was lucky because I had, I mean, I had a lot of the same tastes as him. So he was into a lot of like, say fantasy or my dad had like a kind of anti, <laughs> this this sounds bad, but it's not. But like he had a little bit of like anti-government uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, <laughs> tendencies. So this movie's uh, right up his alley. <laughs> right up his alley. And then the Matrix movies were like that too. He took me to see like the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies, for example. So like I watched a lot of movies with my dad, and he took me to lots of sequels. So um, when this movie came out, it was like kind of a no-brainer that me and my dad would go watch it. And uh, yeah, he he took me to go see it in theaters. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So did my dad. He he loved the like kind of anti-government and, and like anarchist type uh, mm. sentiments of the movie. So and the like power dynamics and stuff, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Okay, awesome. Well, you know what, Aaron? Like, take us away. Like, let us sure. know the, what's the rundown. What is this lore? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> the lore. So so Trademark. yeah. So first, yeah, the popcorn lore. So I wanted to talk a little bit uh, first about uh, some of the like major themes in the movie. So yeah. kind of segueing from the idea of anarch 
anarchism, I guess you'd say. Um, something that's obviously very notable to discuss is uh, Guy Fawkes. So um, I'm not going to go into the super long history of the guy or anything like that, but the short story about Guy Fawkes is essentially he was like a conspirator uh, in the late 1600s in Britain. Um, during that period of time, there was a lot of like anti-Catholic uh, sentiment, and he was a huge um, Catholic uh, supporter uh, so much so that he essentially he he had uh, tried to like get an army so to speak and tried to like cause like um, issues related to uh, the Protestant government uh, essentially tried to overthrow like Protestant government um, and he was unsuccessful um, like earlier in his life and then eventually when he moved to uh, Britain um, he was there during a period of time where the Protestant church had uh, like major power and Catholics were becoming in increasingly prosecuted. Um, and essentially he was known for something called the gunpowder plot, uh, which was a failed assassination attempt to blow up uh, the English parliament building uh, in hopes of essentially restoring his um, Catholic monarchy. Um, what ended up happening was he had rented out a building uh, that was below the parliament building. Uh, 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 and essentially uh, someone kind of tipped the government off that this um, like assassination attempt was going to take place. And he was found um, in this particular place with something like 32 barrels of gunpowder, which would have been essentially way more than enough to blow up uh, the, uh, the parliament building. And so um, this uh, attempt is kind of became synonymous with um, the idea of like overthrowing the government and anarchy and revolution um, and his face and his name essentially became kind of a symbol of such, which is something that's talked about multiple times uh, within the V for Vendetta movie. Um, just briefly, I know that's like a, a, a lot, but did, did you guys, uh, did you have any experience at all, like learning about him in school or any of these types of uh, uh, like facts at all? Did you know any of this stuff? Not at all. And I just want to, so basically, I just want to make sure Guy Fox, it's basically the mask that V wears, right? In the movie. Yeah, correct. That's, so, okay. Okay. I just want to make sure so in it, case it, the listeners also, they don't, uh, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially so an that avatar. Mask, those and the masks that all the, all the kid, like, you know, the kid in the movie and yeah, like the, yeah. the mask that he distributes, those are called Guy Fox. Uh, masks and it's essentially it's it's named after him uh, or and he essentially his face essentially became the symbol of um anarchy so to speak uh right. the 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 reason that um alan moore kind of picked him is they him and his uh like his his buddy the other person that co-wrote the the graphic novel they were making jokes about like wouldn't it be interesting if we had a guy wearing a guy fox mask that tried to like overthrow the english government essentially and at first it was a joke and then that actually like led them to, into like starting the graphic novel <laughs> so yeah. yeah that stuff happens eh? yeah. yeah exactly so a, a big a big theme that i understood from this movie and maybe i'm wrong but i saw like it was like anarchism versus fascism yes yes okay okay yeah so and, i can talk i can oh sorry go ahead tony oh uh, just just uh the references in this movie like when you talk about fascism the the count the counselor does the comment or the chairman chancellor chancellor chancellor, chancellor. Ch yeah. chancellor yeah yeah like, great actor by the way we'll yeah. get into the actors yeah just yeah. to just to mention that he was sort of modeled after out of hitler 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, of like, course. The, the first and last name are similar. Him speaking hysterically on 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 TV and uh, yeah, even, even the lo- even the logo for the um, I forget what the party is called. It's called like the Norse something party. Uh, uh, hold on, let me look it up. The uh, they're called the Norse Fire Party. So even the logo, essentially, like there's there's a lot of scenes when he rises to power where like he's almost like doing some of the the Adolf Hitler type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> type stuff and people are cheering behind him and stuff but yeah the high chancellor and even the norse fire party to an extent are modeled after um kind of uh the 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 nazis yeah yeah the nazi party so um uh so just to get into some of that type of stuff so some of the main themes that um uh alan moore tried to talk about in this movie were uh kind of um the ideas of moral ambiguity uh anarchy you get lots of like heroes versus villains um there's tons of uh, political power dynamics and and then also like lots of corruption and and patriotism and these are a lot of themes that like kind of reoccur a lot within um alan moore's uh uh, uh works and and they were talked about uh in this uh movie but something that's interesting like you mentioned before uh, tony so two things one uh, the high chancellor adam sutler is actually modeled after um uh, obviously there's the the ties to the the nazi party but also uh, margaret thatcher uh, essentially during that period of time uh, when alan moore was making the movie or when he was making the graphic novel um he was kind of worried about um uh, margaret thatcher's um uh party so essentially yeah. what it what had happened is like she ended up being known as kind of like the iron lady. I don't know if you guys uh, ever heard that but um she essentially felt a lot or had a lot of similarities to uh, Margaret Thatcher because she was known for like kind of her strict nature. Um she was also known to have like kind of risen up from a lot of support of the people and kind of like she was known to get a lot of like almost like unwavering support. So that was something that he was very worried about because he, he himself, Alan Moore, was an anarchist. So he, he, or at least that's what he's dubbed himself. So he was very worried. Um, and so when he wrote the graphic novel, he was kind of talking about what it would be like if um, in a post-apocalyptic world, if um, like the worst were to happen essentially, and you'd get kind of like um, fascism to take over in the UK. Um, so something that's interesting, uh, like you talked about before, is that Almore didn't actually want his name to be associated uh, with the movie at all. Um, he's kind of known to be, I don't know him personally, obviously, but there's like, a, he's known to be somewhat like cynical, apparently. Um, and he felt that they kind of like Hollywoodized the movie. Uh, he felt it was like kind of too happy and straightforward. Uh, so much so, in fact, that... Um, he thought that like the characters were like very one dimensional, like almost like uh, caricatures, for example, like Adam Sutler, he's like a big, in the movie, he's just like a big, like ominous head. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, so they they make it out. Like V is just this uh, good guy, even though he's going, he kills lots of people, obviously in the movie, it's, it's very justified, but in, um, the graphic novels, for example, uh, V is a lot colder um, and there's a lot of like moral ambiguity. So in the graphic novels, for example, um, he makes a point of showing how 
say, like some of the workers in the governments, how obviously some of them are evil or and and they are doing lots of bad things. But at the same time, he makes a point of talking about how like some of the families or he he writes things where they they make jokes or uh, uh, even Adam Sutler, for example, in the graphic novel, even though they're very different, him and V actually have a lot of similarities. But uh, obviously he in the movie, for example, they couldn't be they couldn't be further apart. You know, V is this like comic book hero and then Adam Chancellor's just like this ominous talking head, you know. So, right, so they they romanticize the movie, the the movie, and uh, yeah, yeah, polarize and, it. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 uh, that's how he felt, anyways. And and to an extent, obviously, uh, they, you know, with Hollywood, they have to do that. At the same time, um, you know, they're gonna have to cut things um, between like the, a graphic, you know, three full graphic novel. Um, you yeah, know, they books. have to. Yeah, they, they have, have to, to cut and trim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and get to the get to the point, kind of, because they have only a certain amount of shooting time, right, uh, to put on screen for the for the audience. Yeah, but exactly. I wanted to ask you, Aaron, more about the um, the actors uh, in general in this film. So you had you have Hugo Weaving, who was who was worked with the Wachowskis previously mm-hmm. on yeah, the Matrix uh, as their main villain, Agent Smith. Yeah, and uh, you had Natalie Portman. You had British, a lot of British actors in this yes. one. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. had Stephen Fry, John Hurt, who I, f- I found he did an excellent job again as as the Chancellor. Yeah, he's great. And Ray. Yeah, he's Rupert the police Graves. officer. Yeah, and Tim uh, Pickett Smith. I think those are like the main uh, the main guys with Roger Allen as well. Yeah. One thing that I was always surprised at by this casting for this film was Natalie Portman. But I thought she did a great job. But it's not a Is role. British? Uh, not that I know of. I, I thought she was from the states. Am I wrong? Or uh, I believe she's Amer- Israeli, uh, she's Israeli born. born American. Okay. American, yeah, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, so like, uh, I didn't really envision her as like kind of like in this role. But I found she 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 did a great job for this. Yeah. In uh, in general. And Hugo Weaving, I mean, he did a, a well for me, anyways. Like, he did a fantastic job as V. I didn't even know it was him. Like honestly, when I first saw the movie in theaters, and then I I kind of uh, saw the casting later. But what did you guys well, feel about the casting and the actors? So, uh, so that's something kind of interesting, actually. So, so you mentioned like you didn't know it was him. Uh, just uh, before I let Tony answer, something that's uh, kind of uh, interesting is that. V uh, uh, V uh, cast as Hugo Weaving wasn't actually the original actor. So the okay. the, the original actor was someone named uh, James Purefoy. Um, he essentially did a lot of the shooting uh, for for V originally, and so actually because it, it's more like voiceover and stuff like that, there's a ton of scenes in the movie that aren't actually Hugo Weaving. He just like voice dubbed over. Um, voice dubbed over it so it's obviously it's tough to tell um which you know uh, that makes shots. a lot more sense now that you yeah say yeah and i know which, this actor actually james purefoy yeah so yeah. what they said essentially is that so it's interesting because it's tough to know what the truth is um there was rumors that he wasn't like gelling with the role um one of the things essentially supposedly that he said is that he had a really hard time um doing the acting for V because he had to wear the mask 
and and essentially apparently he had a really hard time like talking and acting through the mask right so, it must be very uncomfortable for yeah sure. so that that was one of the reasons uh, supposedly that he had a hard time gelling with the with the character some people said that he just got fired but uh it's it, obviously it's impossible to know the truth but uh that's uh that's something i wanted to mention quick fact and I, this is totally random but did you know who originally played the Predator in Predator movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> no clue. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Really? Yeah, he was actually hired for two days and he quit after no, uh, because of the, because because he couldn't take the suit actually. But anyways, it's another, oh, interesting. another time. But just to yeah. show you that, yeah, for sure, actors struggle, especially when there's uh, you know makeup requirements or you know masks. It's it's tough to do your job, you know. Yeah. That's a really that's really cool. I didn't even know that. That's really uh, that changes things, and I can under I can see it now. Actually, they, there's a lot of voiceovers, so I can mm. see how uh, Hugo Weaving could uh, why it's not recognizable. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, j- just uh, to get back on the uh, on the topic, uh, Tony, did you have any like what were your thoughts on some of the uh, actors and uh, obviously uh, like main actress in the movie? I actually um, recognize a couple of the actors because. I saw I, I, I watched some uh, British uh, TV comedy TV shows uh, from the early 80s and early 90s. So n- not only did I recognize some of the actors, but I was pleasantly surprised to see them use uh, British uh, jargon, like um, yeah. random British words yeah. that, I, that I learned by watching all those shows. Uh-huh. So when I hear them say like telly instead of television mm-hmm. and bloke, and bullocks and stuff like that, like uh, it resonated with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was that was cool to watch them. And but what struck me off the most was I was really impressed by the dialogue from Hugo Weaving, uh, especially the sequence in the beginning where he uh, he's using just V V words. Yeah, the vaude- vaudevillian. Yeah, I mean, even if he was recording that in a studio, that must not be easy to just complete that dialogue so i was really impressed by that and overall i found like the movie was very dialogue based and it was very more it was kind of like a theatrical like um go to your mark and do the dialogue and um i appreciate that it was it was a little bit more like a theater and and then you have all the action sequences but uh yeah like yeah uh, i like the, the casting uh very much yeah i agree with yeah. that Actually, funny enough, like I found that the um, it was very much like a like a speech. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, the, the movie it had it had that, uh, and like it, like you said, that's very much theater. Like you have yeah, the, and you go and you deliver. You know? Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's a British thing, but because when I watch, uh, I've been recently watching uh, Doctor Who episodes, and it's, it's even though it's a sci-fi, like there's just they just there's just there's a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. and and the dialogue is uh, rich and detailed and complex and uh, i'm not sure you see that that much of the, these type of movies these days mm-hmm. very unique in that sense yeah funny enough i i believe one of the um one of the main actors in the movie i, I don't remember which one I, I think it's rupert graves but i'm not sure um is also in uh, Doctor Who. Funny enough, he's like uh, he's like one of the main bad guys for one of the seasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Random, random fun fact. Um, I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some kind of like interesting aspects of uh, of of the movie. So 
and like a little bit of an Easter egg. So something that's kind of cool is that um, Easter eggs love Easter eggs. Tell us all the Easter eggs. eggs. Yeah, and then some theories too about uh, about uh, just the story in general. So something one of the things that I read that's really really cool, and I I found this Easter egg out luckily before I watched the movie. But a lot of the scenes in the movie are designed to create V's in term like like the letter V in terms of the way um, the scene is shot. So for example, if if two people are talking to each other. They'll be talking in the shape where they'll be on the one side angled a specific way in another way, or um, there'll be a door, for example, and the door, the way the door is designed is it has a bunch of little V's on it, but there's a ton of, if you really take a look, little symbols where they try and make everything set up in a way where it makes like a V. So if you guys get a chance, if you hopefully watch this movie after you've heard the podcast, um, take a look and look out for for some of that stuff. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I read was that uh, they tried to make the movie very uh, gray, like black and white and gray to reflect uh, like war era, Cold mm-hmm. War era, these type of things. Yeah. Some, they tried. They, some, they tried. They really tried to make it as gray as possible. That's what I read. Yeah, like militaristic. Yeah, it, yeah, you know. It's very. It's very like yeah. It's a like gray or grainy. Something that um, I forgot to mention before, but one of the major differences between the movie and um, the book is that in the movie uh, there there's like the the sickness essentially. That's like the major uh, kind of evil that uh, takes place. But in the comic books actually it's kind of a post nuclear apocalyptic war so i think uh, part of the part of the reason that they did that was because um at least the theme of the comic book is supposed to be kind of the same essentially it was this like war where america and russia were and like were essentially like essentially dropping nukes on each other or like and then uh you're in this like kind of post-apocalyptic uh scenario and then um britain kind of just finds itself um like in the in-between and so that's that's part of the reason why like adam uh, uh sutler for example rises up as the high chancellor and and it, it probably explains a little bit more about uh, why some of the characters are the way they are in the, the movie obviously yeah the circumstances yeah. it probably makes a little bit more sense and that's definitely the reason why they shot it that way because the theme is probably supposed to be the same as like it, it's still kind of supposed to have a post-apocalyptic type of theme right Interesting. Can I just add this in uh, before we run out of time? Yeah. Uh, how did you guys feel at the beginning of the movie when they said it's curfew? You can't. You can't be out. And, COVID. And and then yeah. and that that having that five years ago would have still been sci-fi, and then us seeing that, it's actually something that we lived through. Yeah. How did you? Yeah. How did that make you guys feel? Well, it, it, again, like I said, it's it's one of those movies that like you go back and like you know. Like you said, it's sci-fi, but I always find I always find that sci-fi is is you're not too far. It's kind of like a dial, to, you know, when you dial something to to nine, you're always just that one click away from ten, you know. And <laughs> reality is very close to nine on the sci-fi dial. You know what I mean? So Alamo actually had a quote like, that was you know, that was almost exactly like that. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, funny enough, I don't oh. remember exactly what it was, but basically okay. he said, when you're writing, if you're writing stuff, like a like something about the future, you're really writing about now. <laughs> so oh, it's okay, really yeah. funny that you mentioned that because that's actually one of the main themes when he designed the comic book. Uh, uh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, to answer your question, though, that really touched home because of uh, the, the circumstances that yeah, we just yeah. went through. Because when, when Natalie Portman was outside and she knew she was past curfew, it reminded me of that time where I, I I went to put gas and it was past curfew and I had that scary feeling that mm-hmm. I'm going to get caught or I'm doing something illegal and I was just out at like 10 30 p.m. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's How like you I, I was like I lived a little bit of that I'm even <laughs> yeah even <laughs> even the idea like I know it's it's the the movie but it's a the movie essentially it there's the sickness too so even that theme is it was very That's very true. similar to covid That's um, very true, yeah. also there was lots of protests and stuff like that and obviously we lived through lots of like protests during that period of time too there was a lot Definitely. of like uh, uh different movements and stuff like that so it's funny because even though the movie was made and the graphic novel was made in the i think in the 80s um it really reflected the times well and it hit a little bit differently watching it now versus back when I first saw the movie. I think why these graphic novels and especially from Alan Moore and these writers, they really hit home is because they're I think things happen in every, you know, generation or or that they they it history repeats itself, you know, yeah. in, in a sense that when you talk about these things, there's they're grounded in 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 truths, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean that's our takeaway for uh, for V from Vendetta. I mean, uh, thank you, Aaron, for giving us such great information about it. Yeah, uh, yeah thanks, my pleasure. Aaron. Yeah, it's, thanks, uh, thanks, guys. It was, it was fun. a very great pick. I, I didn't expect that at all. Like I said, it was a joyful surprise. Kind of. Well, when you pick a movie and three great minds, <laughs> magic happens. <laughs> like ours. <laughs> um. Anybody want to add anything? Yeah, I really appreciate the movie. I'm glad you chose it, and I can't wait till the next one. Awesome. So uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in for uh, episode two of Popcorn Lore. Episode three, we're going to be discussing um, Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke. So I'm excited to show and uh, talk about that that film with you guys. And Aaron, thanks again for showing and uh, telling us uh, a bunch of lore about um, the Vendetta. And if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out i think it's it's aged very well um and yeah that's about it we're gonna wrap things up all right thank you very much take care guys guys. bye bye bye